Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Today is VBPH Sunday, where we feature a message that was recently preached from the pulpit of our church here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. You'll hear from Pastor Adam Dragoon and any other visiting preachers who have come through our church. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. What a blessing. Who's got the victory here this morning? Hallelujah. If you don't have it, you can get it before you leave this place. I wanted to take this opportunity this morning to follow up on what we saw last night. Uh, If you were here and part of our uh, outdoor movie night, we watched a film called Nefarious. If you are not here, would highly recommend you take a look at this film. You'll have another chance, by the way, to do that uh, on October 28th. We figured it would be a great uh, event to uh, show ahead of Halloween. People are in a spooky mood, and we'll give them something spooky. And so we want to, uh, we're going to do a repeat of last night in uh, just a few weeks from now. Uh, so mark that down. October 28th uh, at 7 p.m. We'll be showing that film one more time for those who missed it the first time. But in that film, we were introduced to a demonic entity who was possessing a, uh, a death row inmate, And uh, many, many things came from that film. I think I've seen it seven times by now. And uh, I get something new out of it each time. It's just just a a very powerful dialogue. Reminds me a lot of C.S. Lewis, The Screwtape Letters, if you are familiar. Gives us a point of view from the demonic strongholds in the world. But what what really stands out when you uh, are confronted with demonic power is... Is how intelligent they are. So demons are intelligent. You know that? Demons have great intelligence. Do you know why? Because they've been around for a long time. They've had a lot of time to learn, to observe, to understand things, to gain revelations, to study how life works, and no wonder uh, they are able to so, uh, so powerfully and effectively tempt the human race. They're competent. We should not doubt their ability to strategize against us. And they are evil. This, uh, this demon entity that was possessing this man was nothing short of evil. And when faced against James, our educated atheistic psychiatrist, the demonic force overwhelmed and overpowered every argument that he could offer. But what was so amazing, if you saw the film, there was a moment at the end where the demon takes possession of James. The death row inmate is uh, executed, and so the demon then possesses the psychiatrist, takes power over his body, and takes takes a police officer's gun and puts it up under his chin. And he is about to cause this man to pull the trigger. But in a desperate moment, this man utters four tiny little words. He begins, even though he's an atheist, 
with a gun under his chin, he cries out and he says, God, help me, please. And with that prayer, God answered. And he, when he pulled the trigger, bullets did not fire and they were able to recover him. The point of this movie, of course, is not to glorify Satan. It is not to glorify his demonic strongholds. It is ultimately to illuminate us to the reality of a battle that is happening in our world and to remind us that the powers of hell are ultimately defeated. But defeat is not automatic. If we're going to have victory over demonic powers, it's going to be because we take authority. And that's what I hope to do this morning, is to show you how, by by the biblical instructions, by the biblical account, how can we take authority over all the powers of hell? And I want to turn to Luke chapter 8 and read the familiar story of what is known as the demoniac. A man who was not just possessed by one demon, but by what the Bible says a legion or many thousands of demons. And in his story, we find incredible victory. I hope that you will pay attention this morning. Luke chapter 8, beginning with verse 26, they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had, who had demons for a long time. Say a long time. He wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but he lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him and with a loud voice, said, What have I to do with you, Jesus? Son of the Most High God, I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. It often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles, and broke the bonds, and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. Jesus asked him, saying, What is your name? And he said, Legion, because many demons had entered him. They begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss, And then we'll pick it up in a moment. Let's pray, Father, we come by the precious blood of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for your word and for your truth. I thank you for people gathered to hear this message today. Remind us, Lord, of the victory that you've won over every power of hell. No stronghold of of the demonic realm can lay hold of whom you've called to be free this morning. We pray that uh, that you would set the captives free this morning and help us to hear from you. In Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, Amen. Amen. This is a message that I've titled, No Demon in Hell Can Stop the Lord's Deliverance. And let's look first of all at the condition of this horrible man. He was in bad shape. When we find him and we meet him in the Scripture, he was worse than anyone here this morning. He was shameless. The Bible said in verse 27 that he wore no clothes. How do you get to a point in your life where you can roam around the countryside naked and completely unashamed? He was so possessed and occupied by evil spirits that perhaps he was not even aware of his condition and how he, uh, how he presented himself to the rest of the world. Now we know in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned, all of a sudden they looked down and noticed that they were naked and they were immediately ashamed and sought to cover themselves 
in their state of innocence, they did not know that their nakedness was shameful. But then after sin, uh, they became aware and ashamed. Now, the, the script has flipped, so to say, in this situation now where you are supposed to be ashamed of nakedness. This man is so occupied by demons and so lost to his own mind that he has forgotten how ashamed he is supposed to be. By the way, most people wear clothes <laughs> because they're ashamed of how they look in front of other people. And that's a good thing, by the way. But though they might be physically ashamed, spiritually they can be completely blind to their own nakedness before God. What do I mean by that? You know, the Bible says that God knows everything. In fact, He knows everything about everything. He knows not only your actions, but He knows the intentions and the motivations behind your actions. And if they were to be exposed to the congregation this morning, if we could figure out you know, the thoughts that run through your head and the words that you speak in the darkness and the things that you look at on your computer screen, so there, there might be some people here embarrassed by those things. The truth is, God has seen all of that. Spiritually, we are, so to speak, naked before Him. There is no secret before God. There's no such thing as a hidden activity to God. He is aware of it. Now, this is a generation, I'll just mention also in passing, that, uh, that it seems has become like the demoniac in the fact that there are many people today who are, again, unashamed of their nakedness. We live in a generation, this is a, by the way, sign of demonic power. A sign of demonic possession is that people want to show off their skin and their body to others. I just, there was... Uh, I don't pay attention to these things, but there was some event that took place called the MTV Video Music Awards. And you know, these award sessions, they tend to be a demonic collection of people showing off their skin and their bodies. And they have lost their shame, and it's almost, it's almost a competition to see how, how much they can get away with, and has turned into uh, pornographic images. And it's no surprise that at an award ceremony like this, that somebody named Doja Cat performs a song that is completely enriched with demonic and satanic imagery, blood. Don't look it up. Trust me. You don't want to see it. But this is happening on public television, naked people gyrating around to satanic and demonic images. Is there any wonder why it's related? Because when the devil possesses someone, all of a sudden they lose their shame of what is supposed to be shameful. That's the idea of what's happened to this man. And be, be careful because the, the, the Scripture, on the, other, on the other hand, instructs us in 1 Timothy 2.9 that we're supposed to be modest in our appearance. We're supposed to be decent and appropriate and not draw attention to ourselves by the way we fix our hair, or by wearing gold or pearls or expensive clothing. That, why, why is that? Because we don't want to distract away from where the glory is supposed to go. Where's the glory supposed to go? To God, the only one who deserves it. And so if you are flaunting your body, 
and your skin and your body parts, if you're flaunting your, your beautiful clothing, well then guess what? You're distracting people from the glory that only belongs to God. And He don't share His glory. This is what the demoniac did. He was naked and shameless. Secondly, he was separated. It says in verse 27 that he did not live in a house, but rather he lived in the tombs. See, demonic possession, what it produces, secondly, is separation from all things that are good, righteous, and beautiful. He was cut off from his relatives. He was cut off from his friends. He didn't have fellowships with, uh, with normal people. In fact, he was living in the tombs. Can I remind you this morning that sin, living in rebellion to God, always brings separation. It makes perfect sense this morning. If, uh, if I walked up to uh, David here, you're, you're sitting on the front row, so you get, uh, you get all the object lessons. If I came up to David Jr. and I slapped him in the face, would that be good for our relationship? No, that would probably be very difficult to handle, right? Because then he would have to forgive me. Right? Because the Bible told you you have to do that. Well, when I ask for it, of course. But there would be an immediate separation between the two of us when there's an offense, right? Isn't it also true when you offend God with the way you talk, with the way you act? It causes separation. We're separated from God and ultimately separated from the people who care about us. This man is so lost in his demonic possession and oppression that he has been separated from... He can't keep a job. He can't be a productive member of... He can't take care of his family because he's so lost and bound that he's been separated from everything that's good. Not only that, but he has found himself living in a place that is filled with death. He's living in tombs. His only friends are bodies. And this is a picture of what happens to us. This is like worst case scenario when we give ourselves to demonic oppression, possession, sin, rebellion against God, then there is, isn't it interesting, there is in our generation such a fascination with zombies and death culture. And every year at Halloween, you're going to go through your neighborhood and you're going to see skeletons and you're going to see vampires. You're going to see blood and you're going to see ghosts and goblins and all of this imagery that points us back to death and devastation. What is that fascination? See, when you turn away from God, you don't turn to nothing. You will turn to something. And that is what sin does. It isolates us and it brings us to death. Listen to Isaiah 65, verse 3. A people who provoke me, God says, provoke me to anger, who sacrifice in gardens, burn incense on altars of bricks, who sit among the graves and spend the nights in the tombs. This is an evidence of demonic power in someone's life. The final thing about this man you need to notice is that he was helpless. Look at verse 29. The Bible says about him that he was driven by the demon into the wilderness. Say the word driven. He was so possessed and so oppressed by this demon that he was like a car. A car has no say on where it wants to go. 
You get in the car, you put your feet on the pedals, you put your hands on the wheel, and you are the one making the decisions where your vehicle goes. And in this situation, this man is so given over by his sins, so oppressed and possessed by this legion of demons that he is simply a vehicle. And that is exactly what was portrayed in that film last night. Full subjugation, his will, his mind, his heart. Now, I I will say that there are very few people that I've encountered that are in such a state. I've seen a few, but not many. And thank God this is a rare occasion, but I want to remind you of its possibility. That it is truly something that can still happen in 2023. There are people today who are completely helpless, driven by demons. No man could help him. What medication could you give to this man? What 12-step program could you put him through? Today, if we found a man like this, that's where he would be, in a mental hospital. We would put him in a program and prescribe him some medication and assume it's an imbalance in his brain. But that was not the problem. The problem was sin. Sin which had opened the door to a world of demonic possession. No doctor, no psychiatrist, no man could help him because he was completely helpless. He could not help himself. Like an animal driven in the wilderness, he was so abound and that he was uh, the demons that tormented him even caused him to harm himself. They said he would take sharp rocks and begin to cut him. Where does that spirit of self-harm come from? Maybe you've heard of a few people who self-harm, who cut themselves, sometimes punish themselves with drug or alcohol addiction. Can I tell you? Oh, the enemy loves to destroy God's children in such ways. Why would he need to destroy them if you are destroying yourself? That's a demonic power. That's a demonic power stronghold and we should not shrink away it's sometimes man you know i'm not one of these guys that says there's a demon behind every blade of grass or under every rock in your garden we shouldn't over uh we should not be overcompensating about demonic possession we shouldn't uh be consumed by this but we should be aware we should know that there is realities in the spiritual world there is a battle happening every single day And I want to show you how this man, I mean, most of us, if this man walked into the service today naked, cutting himself, so bound and driven by demons, we would just put him out and we'd call the police. But that's not what happened when Jesus came on the scene. Look at what happened, verse 28. When Jesus showed up to this man who was bound by a multitude of demons, the first reaction that he had, was a reaction of fear. Verse 28 says that he cried and fell down before him. He cried and fell down. When a soul comes face to face with the Son of God, oh, there is no stronghold. There is no possession. There is no power on earth or under the earth that can stop the presence of the resurrected Savior. I want to tell you this morning that even if you are tormented by a demon, even if you are like the guy in the film, Eddie, under possession and demonic oppression, in, in the presence of God, there is no power that can stand against what Jesus Christ has accomplished. I mentioned last week in my message 
about the, uh, the time when the Ark of the Covenant came into the possession of the Philistines. And they took the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence and the power of God, and they brought it in to their pagan temple. And they had a false idol called Dagon that lived in there. And uh, this, uh, this false idol that was standing, they took the, the Ark of God and they set it next to it, thinking, hey, we, now we got two gods. That's pretty cool. Well, they woke up the next morning and realized that the power of Dagon, that, that he had no power compared to the power of the true and living God because Dagon had fallen flat on its face. The next day they put him back up, and what a sad picture that is that they have to set their God back up after he fell down. They, oh, we're going to take care of you, God. Let's just fix those little problems. Many people still doing the same thing today, helping their gods. But they set him back up on his pedestal, and then they come back the next day, and he has fallen again. This time, the, the, the fall has, uh, has broken off the hands and the head of their false god. The point is this morning that in the, in the presence of the true and living God, no false demonic power is able to stand. That's still true today. As soon as Jesus came on the scene, there was no struggle. We want to picture this as some cosmic battle between heaven and hell, where God and the devil are entangled in some cosmic arm wrestling match. And so one day we're like, oh no, God's, he's getting close to it. And then God kind of takes more power, and it's like that old Sylvester Stallone movie. And we're wondering, who's going to win today? Over the top. That was it. Man, that was a good one. But it's not like that. It was not a struggle. Jesus showed up, and the battle was over. In the presence of Jesus, the demons had to cower in fear. They began to cry out, verse 28, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of God, the Most High? The devil is worshiping Jesus. He's saying who Jesus is, even when much of the world was not yet convinced of who Jesus was. They are testifying, Jesus, Son of God, when He has not yet convinced the Pharisees, the Sadducees. In fact, He never did. He has not yet convinced the world around Him. But the devil's convinced. The demons know. They begin to proclaim, Jesus, Son of God, Most High. Some people come into church and they're thinking, man, I don't belong here. I don't, I don't look like these people. I don't act like these people. I don't fit in here. The way that I'm living is embarrassing. I don't want people to know. In fact, some people think that they darken the door of a church, there's going to be some lightning bolt from heaven. I want to tell you, you're, you're no, no better, or you're no, no worse than this demoniac. And I want to tell you that in the presence of Jesus, every idol, every strategy, every lie from the pit of hell has to fall. There's no, come on Maggie, there's, there's no fight here. Jesus is the authority. This is not about me or my preaching or my three points to explain to you. This is about the power of Jesus. And in the face of every demon from hell, there is no struggle, there is no battle. Look at the deliver, deliverance that Jesus provided. Jesus asked him, verse 30, what's your name? 
And he said, legion. Now, this is very interesting because the word legion is a military term. And in that time that it was spoken, speaking about the, the Roman army, a legion would have been approximately 5,000 fighting men. Now, we can't put an exact number on how many demons possess this guy, but we could say probably about 5,000 demons. That's a lot. Give or take a hundred or two or a thousand or two. Maybe it was 6,666. I don't know. But at any rate, when Jesus asked him his name, he could not refuse to answer. He had to confess. That's because the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And even a legion of demons working together, fighting. There was no fight when Jesus showed up. They were all subjugated to the command of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was simply declaring the truth. The demon said, uh, I, have, I am compelled. There is no way that he could not answer. And I'm here to declare this morning that whatever demonic possession or oppression is at work in your life, there is no fight. When Jesus declares, you have to confess. There is no, uh, there's no question about who is in charge. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. There is no question this morning. Jesus declares your freedom, then you're free. If our sins, if our iniquities have carried us away, like a legion of demons, if it seems that Jesus is too far away, like His kingdom is, uh, is, is so far away, it's, it's over the horizon, you can't see it. If it seems that there's too much that needs to change in your life before you can really serve Him, I, I want you to just put those lies away, because they're lies. They're only thoughts, they're only ideas that are planted there by the enemy to keep you from running to Jesus. Verse 32 tells us that there was a herd of swine feeding there on the mountain. It's interesting, this is really the only place in the Scripture that something like this happens. But the demons begin to beg to Jesus and beg that He would permit them to enter into the pigs. And the Bible says He permitted them. Now I just want you to notice, this is actually the moment that these demons were exercised out of this man. And I want you to notice how different this is from every fake Hollywood movie about exorcism. Okay, the way that Hollywood has depicted this is you got to go find a Roman Catholic priest. And you got to get a guy who's going to bring a little jar of holy water. And he got, man, he got to have a big old crucifix too. And when he shows up, he's going to come speaking Latin or something. And when it happens, you know, the, that, that demonic entity is going to cause that little girl to her head spin around and puking pea soup. And, and it's going to be a mess. And you better bring tarps. And you better bring the, you better bring the fabuloso because it's going to be nasty, man. And there's going to be, there's going to be a mess on your hands. And there's blood and there's guts and there's torment and there's rage and there's wide eyes. There was none of that. In fact, Jesus didn't even do anything. The demons begged him, please, we know we got to leave. Can we go over here into these nasty little piggies? Jesus, is that okay? Is that okay with you? And the Bible said, Jesus said, 
Oh, okay, sure. I permit you. No shouting, no screaming, no spitting, no holy water, no garlic, no silver bullets. Jesus just said, I permit you. And there they go. What does that tell you about who this Jesus is? He's in charge. I want you also to notice about this moment of exorcism that the demons did not disappear. They did not cease to exist. They had to go somewhere. Verse 33, it says the demons went out of the man and entered the swine. Then the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake and drowned. Very interesting. Some people think that because of what happens next in the city, that those demons then possessed the people of the town because they rejected the ministry of Christ. But the Bible says this about unclean spirits. Matthew 12, verse 43. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. I want you to be aware this morning that demonic powers and spirits can possess animals, objects, places, strongholds, nations, people. And that's why we, we can't just let uh, every object come into our house. We've got to be careful, man. Sometimes I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying, you know, be, be crazy about this stuff, but I have seen it happen where somebody is, is trying to live for God, trying to do right, but they go home and tormented day and night having bad dreams, not able to sleep or get any rest, and then they start digging in the drawers and find some religious object, maybe a talisman or tarot cards or uh, a crucifix from Aunt Jackie or something, that a gift that was given, and then they, they, they get a, a sense in the Spirit of God, this shouldn't be here. And I've seen people remove those objects from their home. All of a sudden, peace. All of a sudden, the kids stop getting sick. And you got to be careful. Sometimes we hold on to these little religious trinkets in our lives, or sometimes I've seen even people wearing something around their neck, and it's causing torment. And the moment, the moment we, we can, we can, uh, we can take those things. And I'm not saying every necklace and every piece of jewelry. Don't get me wrong, but we have to be aware that demons are seeking entry into your life. We've got to be aware. But notice about this exorcism that this man, at that moment, those demons departed. He was free. Look at verse 35. They found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. The devils departed. What happens? He's clothed. He's in his right mind. All of a sudden, every demonic oppression no longer has power over him. The salvation of Jesus tells us that the grip and the tyranny of evil has gone. And the Bible says they were all afraid. All the disciples were there were like, whoa, something just happened. It's like that time when Jesus caused the, the raging storm to cease and all of a sudden the, 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 the lake was just perfectly flat. And they look at Jesus and they were afraid. They're like, who is this guy? But it's not just that he's free. Now he is completely devoted to Jesus. Hebrews 2 verse 14 says, Only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. 
Only in this way could he set free all who have ever lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. I want to tell you, if there's hope for a man possessed by a legion of demons, there's hope for you. If there is hope for a man running naked throughout the tombs and cutting himself and breaking chains, if there's hope for a man like that, do you suppose maybe there's hope for your life? (laughs) Not only was this man delivered, thank God, but... We don't find him sitting in church on Sunday morning. Where do we find him? We find him at work for the kingdom. Jesus gave him a job. Verse 38, the man from whom the demons departed begged that he might be with him. But Jesus, listen to this, sent him away, saying, return to your house and tell what great things God has done for you. Jesus gave that man a job. He said, I've got a commission for you. I've got a mandate. I've got a job for you to do. I want you to go tell people. You know why? Because people would have known his situation. He would have been not famous, but infamous. With his condition, it said for many years he had been in this condition. He would have had family members, people that knew him, people when he was a kid that in the city where he grew up, people would have known about what happened to this man. And Jesus said, I want you to go back, clothed and in your right mind, and the difference in your life will be enough to tell the world about my power. Can I tell you, that's like the Christian life in a nutshell right there. That we are supposed to take what God has done for us and put it on public display for the whole world to see. He can deliver us from every demonic power and oppression. And then He gives us a testimony. Verse 39 says that this is exactly what He did. He went His way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto Him. This is indeed a, a great thing that Jesus had done for Him. He had given Him a new chance, a new start in life. Pulled Him out of a horrible pit. Put a new song in His mouth. Gave Him a story about the glory of God. Verse six, uh, Psalm 66, verse 16 says, Let the redeemed declare what the Lord has done for their souls. Let, let me just share something with you. If you don't want to tell about what Jesus has done for you, then Jesus probably hasn't done nothing for you. You know what I'm saying? For those who are set free, this is something we want to tell. Our sins... Uh, are gone. The power of Christ has, has set us free from sin and death. I want to share that with anybody and everybody. He has also given us a commission this morning. Mark 16, 15. He said to them, His followers, go into all the world and preach the Gospel to every creature. Whether you are possessed, oppressed, depressed, incest, let the whole world know if Jesus has set you free this morning. God is able to deliver even the hardest heart. I want to also give you hope this morning before we close. I want to give you hope for your family, your friends, your loved ones, people that you're praying for. I want you to remember that if God can deliver a man like that, then there's what can stop God from delivering your uh, demon-possessed boss or your demon-possessed neighbor that comes and knocks on your door when there's two leaves hanging off the side of your lawn. What demon in hell can stop what God wants to do 
I want to give you hope and a vision for people around you. We live in a demon-possessed generation, but don't let that intimidate you. There's no fight. This is why it's important to bring people to church, by the way. Because in church, we experience the presence of who? Of God. We experience the presence of Jesus through His Holy Spirit. And God can do more in the presence of the Holy Spirit than He can reading 10,000 books. we got to bring people into the presence of God. Because there, the fight is gone. And Jesus is able to deliver. We know that there are formidable enemies. We know that the demons, we know that their boss, the devil, that they have significant power in this world. But I want to tell you, Jesus has overcome it all. And I want to remind you that we can, we can tap into the power of God through confessing our sins, through surrendering our wills, and through obeying the Lord Jesus. Tonight I'm going to preach a separate message about, uh, about what is necessary to defeat the power of hell. I want to invite you to come back tonight about this powerful scripture. Submit to God and resist the devil. And tonight he, he will flee from you. So let's bow our heads this morning and ask God to help us. Thank you for listening to this episode of the VBPH Sermon Podcast. When you listen to these inspiring messages, you are helping to send missionaries from the Chandler Bible Conference in September. If you loved what you heard, please send this message to someone that needs to hear it. Then leave us a review using the links in the show notes so that everyone who wants to find this podcast will see it when they search for it. We cannot thank you enough. See you next time.